Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. You are tuned to Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting, and I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the sunny climes of western Japan. So once again, thank you for tuning in for the broadcast and for joining us for another interesting conversation that we have lined up for you tonight. But before we get into tonight's guest, I'd just like to uh, give a an apology and a mea culpa to all of those people who have been waiting patiently for my regular Monday uh, uh, conversation with Bob Chapman of the International Forecaster, which usually goes up on CorbettReport.com early Monday morning for you in North America. Unfortunately, uh, I did have a conversation with Bob last night, but unbelievably enough, I actually didn't record it correctly. So that conversation is lost to the digital ether and will never be recovered again. So unfortunately, there was no a, a conversation recorded with Bob Chapman today. Instead, we ha- he has been gracious enough to come back on for another conversation. So I'll be talking to him tonight, my time. That's tomorrow morning for you in North America. So there will be an international forecaster coming out this week. It's just not going to be on Monday, unfortunately, and it is all my own silly fault. But on to tonight's program, and what a program we have lined up for you tonight on one of the foundational topics that we find ourselves coming back to time and time again, because there are a lot of things in this world that you can't affect directly or that you can't change by yourself, but one of them that you can do on, on a daily basis is choose what you do and what you put into your body, what kind of food you will or will not eat, and what corporations you support or fail to support with your dollars. And on tonight's, uh, on that note, tonight we're going to be talking to Barbara H. Peterson of farmwars.info. And for those of you who haven't checked out Farm Wars before, I really suggest that you do. And uh, when you do, you'll find that this is a great resource on all the latest information about the types of food and health and environment issues that we talk about on a weekly basis on this broadcast with James Evan Pilato of foodworldorder.com. But, of course, we continue to come back to because it is one of those foundational issues. So, Barbara H. Peterson, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's good to be here. Well, it is great to have you here. And uh, for those who are just encountering farmwars.info for the first time, perhaps we can tell them about the site. Well, it's... uh, I've got it. It's a little bit unique. It's not your normal site. I took all of my farm animals and took pictures of them and proceeded to um, Photoshop with helmets and um, war gear and all that and tanks and everything. So it's actually farm wars fighting for the family farm. And it's kind of a, some of the things are tongue in cheek, but it's deadly serious regarding um, the fight that we're facing. It's an uphill battle for our um, food nutritious food and the ability to continue producing our own food. Unfortunately so, but it's something that you're documenting, I think, in excruciating detail on farmwars.info, so I really hope people are subscribed to the feeds there and are are staying tuned to all of this information. Uh, It does cover such a wide scope of information. You've got uh, uh, tabs on bioterrorism and GMO and health and corporate manipulation. What Can you speak to the, the scale and scope of the issues that you cover there? Well, the issues that I cover are the ones that are affecting me. And I live on a small farm, and I've got horses, geese, chickens, um, about to get into goat milking. And everything that's affecting us on a daily basis, that that's what I'm writing about, and that's what I'm looking into and reporting about. Um, whether it's what's dropping um, on us from the air, 
what's happening to our soil because of poor agricultural practices, the use of intensive pesticides, uh, GMOs. That's my main pet peeve is the GMOs because that is the root of all sorts of stuff that is just uh, killing us. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. GMO is one of the foundational issues when it comes to this entire food world order, this farm war that everyone is fighting. So on that note, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back with Barbara H. Peterson of FarmWars.info. Broadcast and tonight we are talking to Barbara Peterson of FarmWars.info. So I hope you will go there to check out the website if you have not yet done so and take a look at some of the headlines that are making news on the t- front of the page right now. And we will start getting into some of that. But before we do, uh, Barbara, let's start talking about yourself and where you're coming from. And of course, one story that everyone wants to hear is how you got into doing what you do. So let's talk a little bit about the type of information that got you to start really questioning the system and to take matters into your own hands. Well, it started with me um, with an illness, and it was something that the doctors, quite frankly, did not know what it was. It started with a a dime-sized rash on my right leg, and it was like a a horribly itchy poison oak-type rash, and it it just spread all the way up um, to my shoulders, all the way down the other side of my leg. I couldn't sleep. It was driving me absolutely crazy. It was like having the worst case of poison oak you could ever possibly have. And itching was just, it was insane. And I determined, you know, that obviously what I was eating, was it was doing it. It had to be. So I stopped eating, literally stopped eating and just drinking water, and it started, you know, going away. And I said, oh, great. Okay, now, what can I eat? Because, quite frankly, I lost 60 pounds. And uh, that was quite a bit. So I started, you know, I was trying to introduce things in my diet and then started learning about food and doing a lot of research. And I started understanding what genetically modified organisms were and what genetic engineering was. And I went straight to the source to find out. I talked to Susan Bardosh, which is um, our Pod Pustai's um, partner and also his um, lab partner, and they had a team, and in 1996, that is when they were doing the potato lectin studies for genetically modifying the potato with a, um, a certain protein. And they, when they fed the protein to the rats, the rats um, developed atrophied intestinal um, problems, um, atrophied organs. They were they were a mess. And, and I'm sorry. When they fed it the GMO lectin, when they fed it the lectin and the potato separately, they were just fine, no problem. So it was the process of the genetic engineering that actually did it um, to these rats. So I created Aggie, the traveling agrobacterium, as a learning tool. So I put it on my site, and um, so people can see exactly how the genetic engineering process works. So when I realized that it's probably the GMOs that were doing this to me. So this is what I did. I looked and looked, and I found out what um, things. I went to gmocompass.org, and I found out what things were being genetically modified and, and what weren't. 
and I would eat stuff that I was relatively certain was not genetically modified, raw fruit and vegetables. I didn't have a problem. I was okay. Honey, I was okay. Then I started, after I started clearing up, I started introducing things into my diet that I was pretty certain were GMOs. And guess what? I started breaking out again. If I stopped eating it, I was fine. Okay. I mean, that's pretty proof positive to me. Now, I have people say, well, you don't know. You're not a scientist, and how could you possibly prove that? I'm sorry, but eat something. It causes a reaction. Uh, You know, stop eating it, and the reaction goes away. I'm relatively certain that that was the thing that caused the reaction. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to make two and two. So that's what really, really got me started on it. And then realizing that the USDA, which now I consider a terrorist organization, was is actively and was pushing genetically modified organisms um, onto the world market and especially saturating us in the United States where we don't have any labeling, we don't have a choice with this stuff. It made me angry. It made me so angry. So I decided to put up farmwars.info and just start saying it like it is because I had I started working for um, Op-Ed News and I was a writer for there and I started really hitting Monsanto pretty hard. And they had evidently sent some people over there from their PR department to, you know, and he admitted he was the head of the PR department. I can't remember his name now. It's really not important. He's irrelevant. But he was following me around and, you know, trying to debunk what I was saying. But my facts came from molecular biologists. My facts came from original sources, so there wasn't really anything he could do except ad hominem attacks, and I really don't care about that. I really don't care what anybody thinks. What I care about is the fact that through elimination of genetically modified organisms from my diet, I eliminated a disease that was, quite frankly, made me not even want to be here. It was so horrid. And it, 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 it's something that is in our food supply. We have no idea it's there unless you do the research. Most people, when you go through a grocery store and you look at people's carts and you realize that every single thing in their cart contains GMOs, everything, it's so bad because people are getting sick, they don't know why, they're going to the doctor, he's giving them an antibiotic, it's making them worse, he'll give them an anti-fungicide, it's making them worse, and then finally they just say, oh, well, I guess I have to live with it. You don't have to live with it. Well, that's exactly the point, isn't it? And your story, I think, resonates strongly with a couple of really important points. Not only your personal story, where the doctors were basically saying, "No, we can't, we can't tell, and you don't know what it is," but, but of course, you were able to do it yourself and to to prove to yourself what was happening. But also with the Arpad Pustai uh, experiments and and what he ultimately concluded about what was going on there. And then, of course, we saw the way that, of course, the the medical and scientific community uh, rallied around to to basically exclude him and his research and to try to uh, mm-hmm. diminish what he had found, which, of co- again, speaks to the uh, the institutionalization, even among people who I think aren't 
aren't necessarily controlled, uh, but who are who are just going along with the system to to get along, and how they they tend to rally around this paradigm. So unfortunately, the uh, dominant uh, idea that GMO is just harmless has really pervaded down to the the individual level level of uh, doctors and and people who are examining this and not really uh, looking at it objectively anymore. Unfortunately. Well, when the FDA and the USDA says that this stuff is good, that it's okay, it's passed all of the tests, and uh, everything is just hunky-dory and you can eat it to your heart's content and it's actually good for you until you do the research and you find out that what they're saying is a bold-faced lie. Number one, Monsanto, they're allowing Monsanto to do their own tests now, their own environmental impact statements. Well, isn't that convenient? It doesn't matter that they have already, you know, their Monsanto um, revolving door in the USDA. Now they're just going to say, well, we don't even want to do the paperwork. We'll just let them do the tests. And if they say that it's healthy and it's okay, well, we trust them. And I'm not, you know, saying that just uh, off the top of my head. I called the USDA. I call these people and I ask them specifically, you know, hey, what about this and what about that? It's like the USDA organics program. I called up Sue Kim. I talked to her and I said, is there any testing for GMOs for organics, USDA certified? And no, there isn't. There is no testing required unless there is a reason to believe that contamination has occurred. But if you follow all of the um, guidelines and everything, well, the guidelines don't even—they um, don't—they don't even address it. They say that it's unregulated. GMOs are unregulated, so you can plant it right next to an organic field. It's up to the organic person to put the buffer and to make the uh, and to make the changes that's necessary. However. If contamination occurs but nobody says anything because all the rules are being followed, you can uh, ostensibly have an organic product that is mostly GMO, and you won't even know it. So it's contaminated our organics, too, and the USDA National Organics Program is covering it up. What they say is we're a processed-based system. Yes, and a processed-based system, right. Well, we all know what that means, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means that if you follow the rules and follow the process, there's no reason for us to go in and test, so you just go on about your business. Well, that's fine and dandy. If you have a, a farmer that is actually got morals and he's got scruples and he wants his product to be the best, well, that's fine for him. But what about all of these organic companies that are being bought up by Monsanto and the large mega corporations that really don't give a hoot about organics but are just concerned about the bottom line and also peddle GMOs. Do you really think they're going to be concerned about the purity of their organics? No. I don't. Uh, clearly not. In fact, probably they have more of a vested interest in just making sure that those organics aren't really organics. But to a certain level, that speaks to the fact that so many more people are waking up to, to what's really going on with the food supply and are at least conscious enough to be uh, looking for those types of uh, organic products, which is making the, uh, the Monsanto and others have to at least use the, the shield of organics to s- sort of cover what they're doing. Yes, and, and you know, it is a shield because I have run across, I have a tendency occasionally to search the patents 
Now, Monsanto started out with, you know, a few hundred patents. They have gotten up to, along with this climate change thing, they have gotten up for their stress-resistant patents to over 3,900 patents just for a stress tolerance, which includes everything from apples to zucchini. Unsurprising, unsurprising, the A to Z of, of the monstrosities that they're creating behind the scenes uh, in order to combat what they're already doing. On that note, we'll be back with more about food and health right after this. Tonight we're talking to Barbara Peterson of farmwars.info about the GMO agenda and all of the other ways that the family farm is under attack. And unfortunately, farm wars is really not too far off the case, especially when we start looking at the raw milk raids and all of the other craziness that has been unfolding in the last few years in the name of making everybody safer and making the food supply safer and healthier when we know, of course, the agenda is to do the exact opposite. So it's great to have Barbara Peterson here to go through this. And, of course, the phone lines are open if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment to Barbara. The phone lines are open at 1-800-313-9443. And we already have one caller waiting on the line, so let's go straight to your calls. We have Arthur in Georgia. Arthur, thank you for holding. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, good evening, Ms. Peterson. And uh, Hi. Who's that guy you're talking to? Oh, oh, James Corbett. Hi, <laughs> hi. Um, Thanks, Arthur. <laughs> hey, uh, guys, great show. Um, yeah, I kind of did an experiment. I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, if you can tell me what happened to me. I kind of did an experiment to prove a point to people out here about how unhealthy they eat. Because they were always like, well, we don't have any problems. I mean, well, you eat it all the time. I said, but look at how I eat. I grew, first of all, I grow all my own vegetables. I don't drink any milk comes from the store. If it didn't come straight out of the cow, I'm not touching it. Uh, I real butter, real cream, real cheese. I mean, I'm about as organic as you can get. I don't even use fertilizer. Um, I use fresh manure right out of the field. Um, so anyway, but this is my diet. I'm on a real, honest to goodness, organic diet, like my great grandpa used to eat. My grandpa used to eat, and went out and I bought some of these prepackaged frozen chicken patties. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I figured if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right, right? So oh. I bring them back, and I cook two of them, and I make a sandwich out of them. Well, I feel a little, you know, kind of queasy for a day or two, and then I have a couple more on the third day. And I notice one thing I tell people is one of the first signs that something's wrong is get in the habit of looking at your stool because mm-hmm. if it's going on, that's going to be one of the first places you're going to spot it. Well, I'm telling you what, I didn't even recognize myself, okay? It was bad, and I had these cramps. And here's where I'm kind of wondering if you, maybe you can tell me what happened. I had these cramps in my lower abdomen. I swear to God, felt like somebody was driving a hot poker right through my gut. I got this doctor trying to tell me I had a severe case of what did he call it, um, ulcerated colitis? And I'm like, what? wait a minute. 
I've never had this problem until I ate those chicken patties. Well, he can't for the life of him figure out what's wrong. I'm wondering maybe you can tell me what was going on, what was causing them cramps, because i tell you what, it was so bad, I was having to drink cayenne tea for two weeks. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I, I wish I could, but quite frankly, who really knows what's in those chicken patties? And the combination of um, what, what it, the slime that they make to put in there, you know, who knows what they do. And I think they use some sort of a um, window cleaner or something. I, I don't know. Plus the whatever they feed the animals, which you know they're force-feeding them GMO grain. And, of course, that stuff is going to be coated with glyphosate and whatever pesticides to kill the um, resistant insects. So, you know, your poor intestine got hit with a barrage of stuff that it, quite frankly, isn't used to. And I know if I do that, you know, with toxins in my body, I'm going to get a reaction. And you had a reaction, all right. Well, see, that was the first deviation in my diet in over 10 years. Yeah, you, it, it's like, it's like going into the, uh, it's like when they gave that infected smallpox blanket to the Indians. The Indians had no, you know, they didn't have anything like that. So when they introduced that virus there, of course they got sick. So you've got a pure system. You don't have, it didn't have any of these toxins floating around in your system. So when that hit you, you really noticed. But yeah, and, you That's know, it, we, yeah. yeah and, and two weeks after I was back on my regular diet, I felt back to normal, had all my energy back. It was great. And here's what I, you know, and this is what people need to understand. When you start talking about meat, I'm a farm boy. Cows are not supposed to eat corn. They, their bodies aren't made for it, and when you have Codex Alimentarius dictating that all food animals have to be treated with this recumbent bovine growth hormone and subclinical mm-hmm. antibiotics, i got to ask the question, uh, are the cows sick? Are you, why are you giving them antibiotics, let alone subclinical? What do you, you don't give anything an antibiotic unless it's already sick. Do you people mm-hmm. know? Unless you want to develop antibiotic resistance. Yeah, people don't even know what they're eating. No, and that's the most personal thing you could possibly do is to put something in your mouth. So why do we blindly grab something? It's like closing our eyes, grabbing something, whatever, we don't know, and shoving it in our mouth and then wondering why we have a reaction. Yeah, and you know what's really disturbing to me when I talk to mothers about this? And especially, like, I've tried to talk to my niece, and every single one of them always the same thing. Oh, I don't want to talk about this in front of the children. Let's not talk about the things that could actually save their lives. Let's uh, let's divert their attention somewhere else. Absolutely. Well, you are what you eat, and so many people have proven that so many times that uh, I'm sorry you had to go through that, Arthur, but I hope you are recovering. On that note, we will uh, recover ourselves. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Welcome 
to Corbett Report Radio. Tonight we're talking to Barbara Peterson of FarmWars.info about all of the various aspects of the fight against the family farm and the fight to save the family farm. And I'd like to get into that and what people can do to really combat the system. But first, I'd like to take a step back and take a look at these, the, the overall picture of what's really going on and the history, the hidden history to a large extent of what this is all about. And I know, uh, Barbara, you've been doing some excellent research on this and uh, have been really, really drilling into the history of this for quite a while now. And uh, I'd point people to such really informative articles as the Codex Fluoride Auschwitz-Monsanto connection that you've written for farmwars.info, let's take a step back and take a look at why this is really going on and, and what this uh, th- this ultimately means for the people who are unfortunately facing this attack. Well, it's a full-pronged attack. Um, they've got the food, the water, and uh, the connections that I found um, with the fluoride, um, Agenda 21, Codex Alimentarius, and, of course, the uh, Bayer, Monsanto, BASF, which were chemical companies turned life science companies. It turns out that Fritz Termer, which who he was the, um, let's see, IG Farben, and they did the fluoride for the Auschwitz concentration camp. Now, the fluoride was intended to make the prisoners compliant, lethargic, and just uh, copacetic so that they would do, wouldn't cause problems, would do whatever they were told. So what's happening? We're getting fluoride put in our waters, but it really, really isn't fluoride. What it is is the stuff coming out of Cargill sacks. It's that stuff where people can't touch it. It's the stuff that will burn a hole. It's um, the toxic waste that they can't get rid of, so they sell it the people to put in our water supply so that we can drink it. Now, this is not for tooth decay. It's been proven time and time and time again that places that have fluoridated and places that are non-fluoridated, a lot of times the fluoridated places have more dental problems. There's dental fluorosis where it's eating away at the teeth. Because if you put a put a toxic chemical in a water supply, and then you say, okay, we're going to limit this, and a person needs to get, what, say, one part per million of it. But how are you going to control what that person drinks? Not everybody's going to drink a certain amount of water. Some people, like athletes, are going to drink a whole heck of a lot more water as they're training and as they're going through everything. So they're getting double, triple, quarple doses of fluoride. Okay, now they're not accounting for that. Oh, well, you're not supposed to do that. And then Fritz Tamir, who instituted this fluoride program, he's head of the Codex that he, not head, but he started, along with other people, the Codex Alimentarius, which is the food book. It's a set of rules and regulations for global food control. And what they're doing with that global food control is not to make us healthier. They have declared already that um, vitamins are toxins. So they treat a vitamin as a toxin. So instead of how much of this vitamin does a person need to be healthy, they instead look at it from the opposite direction and they say, how much of this vitamin, how little of this vitamin would it take to be toxic to the most 
vulnerable of society like the elderly and the children. And they say, okay, well, the toxicity level is this much, so we're going to go under that, so nobody is going to get sick from this vitamin. Nobody really has. But they're going to just make sure that we have about as much vitamins as it takes to maybe keep a hamster alive. So that, of course, brings us to more sickness, more illness, which, of course, brings more money for big pharma. And it's a nice, big, closed loop. And we're the ones that are on the treadmill, losing ground fast. We're losing our health. And then, of course, we have this Obamacare insurance thing, which is a big fight now, but... That is straight-up Codex Alimentarius Alley. They're going to start requiring that, um, oh, this thing can't be for this person. Oh, they're too old. They can't have this procedure. And the whole nine yards. And when you have a population such as we are so totally blinded, unless we start waking up in mass and start realizing that everything we've been told is a lie and nothing is as it seems, start demanding that we have food that we can eat. Stop buying this stuff in the grocery store blindly. Start understanding what you're eating. You know, this it has to happen because, quite frankly, we've got psychopaths in charge of the hen house. And these people have enough money. There is a few power elites that have enough money that they can do anything. They have so much money that you can't even comprehend it. They could throw money out the window for years and still wouldn't. it wouldn't make a dent. They've got nothing better to do than to do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, figuring out how to rule the world, and they've decided there's too many of us. So... We've got this wholesale assault. We've got every poison in the air possible coming down on us. We've got glyphosate. That's poisoning everything. And that stuff, according to Dr. Huber, is absorbed into the plants that we eat. So that's going straight into our system. And guess what? They found out that glyphosate kills human cells, and it kills kidney cells. And we're ingesting it. This is insanity. So why are we taking it? Why are we not standing up and saying, okay, if you're not going to label it, I'll label it myself. I have a self-labeling campaign that somebody else started and I am promoting on my site. Go ahead and you'll go to this site and um, print out the labels. And if you see something that looks GMO, hey, slap a label on it. Okay, it's not legal. And you'll probably get in a little bit of trouble for it. But I'll tell you, somebody's going to look at that and they're going to go, oh, my goodness, well, what is that? And ask the question. And then it'll start, and it starts one person at a time. The wheels will start turning. They'll start thinking. And then maybe they'll tell somebody else. Because this, the way they have got us quite literally surrounded, is pretty scary. But the only way they get away with it is because we give away our power of choice. If we take back our power of choice, then that's half of the battle. And that's what we need to do because, quite frankly, 
we are in one huge experimental prison camp at this point. We might as well be sitting in the middle of Auschwitz if we continually drink their fluoridated water, eat their poisoned food, and say, thank you very much. Oh, I'm so happy I have this. I'm free, and I live in America to eat this stuff. Oh, well, well that's kind of the point, isn't it? Because I, I think you, you're right. We have to take back that power of choice, but our power of choice is predicated on the ability to make an informed choice. And unfortunately, so many people have, have been effectively put out of the equation altogether by the, the types of tactics that they employ in order to make what you've just laid out there, I think with c- complete clarity and precision, to make that sound like some sort of bizarre out there conspiracy theory. Oh, it's okay. They've looked into it. Uh, anyone who says otherwise is just uh, is just off their rocker. And unfortunately, enough of the public has bought into that that we have been brought to this state. And I, I really do see sort of a diverging a divergence happening now between people who are aware of what's going on and how that propaganda works, and the people who just refuse to to question anything outside of what they've been told on the nightly news. And I think once that divergence takes place, I mean, you're going to have a pocket of people who are un- awake and aware and are fending for themselves and. And the rest of the people, I don't know. Can they be led along to to understand why this is important, or or to a certain extent, is it already a lost cause? Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to say something that's going to sound pretty harsh. But if somebody does not want to hear it and they want to continue doing what they're doing, I say go for it. You can have my share. But one of the reasons why I speak out so loudly and continue and continue in this is because out there there is somebody that is sitting on the fence that doesn't know and needs to know. And if what I say can help that person flip over to the right side of the fence and start doing the right thing for themselves and for the people around them, then that's why I do it for that one person, not for the majority of people because the majority of people... Proven throughout history, time and time again, have been wrong. So if the majority of people are eating GMO, I'm sorry, they're wrong. I'm just looking for the few, the few people that we can get together with for a solution. It's uh, yeah, well, it's a sad assessment, but I think it's quite uh, quite true that certainly, unfortunately, so many people are just completely lost. But uh, but absolutely, we have to do this because there are still people who are waking up to the the true information that has been suppressed. But it's like a beach ball; you can't you can hold it underwater for a certain amount of time, but as soon as you let go, it's going to float back up to the surface. And that's really the way I, I think of this going because they can try to repress this type of information, but at a certain point, it's just overwhelming. And as you say, more and more people are waking up, and, and the people who are sitting on the fence right now are are truly uh, are, are uh, there's there's no reason not to be uh, joining the the, the reality based based community, as it were. So that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing as well. On that note, we have another caller on the line. We have Werner in New Brunswick. So Werner, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, good evening. Uh, I uh, called up earlier on Dr. Kalias, and I didn't want to uh, call too many times, but. Uh, uh, you got my attention, and uh, I've been uh, trying now for many years trying to blow the whistle, and I see, uh, like, uh, Mrs. Peterson and uh, Dr. Yuva, and uh, uh, there's still some around who uh, try to wake up the uh, wake up the people. 
basically what we are dealing with, uh, we got an awful lot of white coats that are basically uh, uh, involved in promoting uh, criminal enterprises. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, uh, that's, the, that's the way I see it, too. They, they've, got, they've got the nice, clean, white coats on. They work in a lab. They and, probably uh, have never seen a real chicken egg. And uh, in the eyes of the general public, because they are so nice and they work in those nice, clean surroundings, uh, the general public perceives that to be uh, the uh, perfect setting and those people must know what they are doing. But uh, what they work out in their labs, in order to finally find out if it really works, they do field testing, you know. And this is basically what the people, the farmers, and those people that live out in the environment, what they have been doing for generations. And uh, what they have found out and what proved out to be healthy, what proved out to be sustainable, it has been thrown overboard now over the last, uh, say, uh, 60 to 80 years, basically discredited by the white coats. But now their reign comes to an end. More and more people realize that all their wisdom will lead to bankruptcy and to basically destruction of the planet and all mm-hmm. the natural systems. Definitely, I, I, I would agree been, with that. I've been following things up now for many, uh, for many years. Uh, uh, a little bit over 40 years ago, I immigrated here to, uh, to Canada. And uh, within a few years, I realized that there was something very much amiss. Some of it had been going on in the old country. I wasn't aware of. But uh, basically, uh, the uh, whole, like, Monsanto and those companies, chemical companies, they basically created their own market. But I noticed deliberate introduction of all kinds of nasty weeds in the agricultural ground. And it was not natural infestation. It was... Uh, deliberately introduced in order to create a market for their uh, for their herbicides, introduction of insect pests in order to uh, to uh, create a market for their insecticides, and basically create a problem and then capitalize on it. And now uh, there comes the, the next generation, then uh, the GM modified crops, you know. So uh, that have a tolerance to those uh, herbicides or GM modified, where the plants produce their own insecticides. But uh, a lot of those things they were not much of a problem in traditional agriculture, where there was crop rotation, and uh, basically uh, uh, the agricultural practices and uh, crop rotations and uh, the varieties and everything, uh, where most of those problems could have uh, were being eliminated. Well, that's, that's the point, isn't it? Because absolutely one of the lies that they used to sell this biotech, as they like to call it, instead of GMO monstrosities, as they really are, is to say that, oh, it'll reduce the amount of pesticides or whatever that are needed. But, of course, we know that in all tests and all studies so far, it shows that they need more pesticides, in fact, because of the GMO varieties, and it provides 
lesser yields. So everything they're using to sell this agenda is completely a lie. Uh, Werner, thanks for the thoughts as always, and we have one more caller on the line. We have Hatting in Florida, so let's go to Hatting. Yeah. Are you on the line? Yeah, first, you know, I agree that there's a problem here. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that, uh, that, uh, they sell, uh, stuff that Monsanto sells here, which is a, an American company, and stuff that, uh, Bayer and BSF export to the United States, uh, could not be used in Germany. There are things that they manufacture and export to the United States from Germany that could not be sold in Germany, um, today. But I wanted to, <clears throat> ask about this. I'm sorry, but when you start talking about Auschwitz, that just screams kook. You know, I found your your website, Farm Wars, and I saw where you talk about fluoridation at Auschwitz, and I went to the link, and it's a, a, a site that talks about the Illuminati. Do you have a source for this thing about fluoridation at Auschwitz that doesn't have the word Illuminati in it? Oh, there was there was plenty of them. I believe that was just one that I picked out that and put in as I was as I was writing. But like fluoride alert, um, I believe they have a good site and lots of information. There's so much information. Just Google um, fluoride Auschwitz, and you'll pick up a whole slew of um, references that you. Well, can I, I know there's a whole lot of stuff. Like that, but you know this fluoride conspiracy thing was in Doctor Strange Love. It's been around a long time. It's been regarded <laughs> and as therefore it's forever. not true. Uh, so, please yeah, I go to fluoridealert.org. I could not, I could not suggest strongly enough that you start taking a look at the scientific literature about fluoride and where it comes from. And trust me, there is mm-hmm. a ton of it. And we've talked to some fluoride experts before. We will talk to more because it is an absolute fundamental issue. Adding, I do appreciate that, and I do appreciate you trying to get to the source of this info. So uh, please, let's keep. Digging, digging and find uh, what we can dig up. But on that note, we'll take a short break. We'll be back right after this. All right, friends, we're back here in the final minutes of Corporate Report Radio. And as the last caller pointed out, there are still people out there who would base uh, their ideas of what is kooky or what is acceptable on uh, films from the 1960s. Instead of going to sites like fluoridealert.org to find out about sodium fluoride, which of course is not sodium fluoride, it's fluorosilicic acid, which is a byproduct of the uranium mining process, which is actually a, a pollutant that if they dumped it in the water, they'd go to jail, but if they sell it to cities to put into their water supply, they can make money off of it. And uh, there are studies that link uh, fluoridation to uh, renal osteodystrophy, osteomalacia, uh, bone cancer, IQ reduction, kidney problems. Uh, It accumulates in the soft and hard tissues of the pineal gland. Uh, They've found that ingestion of fluoride has no effect on on dental effects of fluoride. Um, All of this is backed up by all sorts of studies there on fluoridealert.org. But unfortunately, there are people still out there who just don't want to hear about that information and just want to dismiss it, dismiss it out of hand. And that is really, uh, I think, what we're up against. Still, there are a lot of people who just have never heard this information before and still just equate it with uh, things like the 1960s Dr. Strangelove movie. So, uh, Barb Peterson, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, what you say is absolutely correct. It's hard. It's hard information, and people do not want to think that our government is going to lie to us and our government is going to allow us to be poisoned. So if the FDA or the USDA or some official says everything is 
fine. We really, really want to accept that. We've been conditioned in schooling to accept what the authority figures say and really not to question. So what we're looking for is people that are getting that critical thinking going, that start thinking for themselves, that will take something like this and do the research. Don't believe what I say. Go do the research. If you don't like something I say, prove me wrong. Go on the web, do the research, and contact me and let me know, hey, you're wrong. Don't start calling me names or doing all that weird kind of stuff, but let's have a discussion because that's what needs to happen. We have to have rational discussion with facts. Don't just blindly believe anybody. And that's what, that's what people need to do, and that's what will help with the waking up process. I couldn't agree more. 100% agreed. I mean, people, please don't take what I say as fact. Don't take uh, what uh, what my guests are saying as fact. Don't take what the callers are saying as fact. Go and do the research for yourself. And I think that really goes back to the fundamental point of sites like Farm Wars, at least as I understand it, is that uh, it is up to people to start taking their own bodies, their own health, their own information, whatever it may be, into their own hands. And more and more, we are empowered by this technology around us to do that. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, is to get other people motivated to start getting into this and doing the research for themselves and following the links that I might provide to to look at my sources and then for them to go onto their own quests. And I think all of us doing that together will ultimately arrive at a much better place than the type of system that we're at right now. So any final thoughts on that before we finish off for tonight, Barb? Yes, I couldn't agree more on that. It's all of us working together, finding each other um, through the Internet. It's a wonderful thing. And just getting to the point where we can, say, localize. The more people that understand. I have found so many people out here just through the Far More site. They didn't know me, and I found some gal out here who's doing everything organic, self-sufficient, off the grid. I got in touch with the guy at the um, local farmer's market, and we're all starting to interact. I'm going to be putting up the Seed Lady Lady Network, an open-source seed-sharing project. I'm working on that website, so I'll be providing that service. People can share their heirloom organic seeds to keep it local, to keep our food supply local and safe. Absolutely. All right. Well, if people want to find out more, I I assume they can contact you through farmwars.info? Yes, barb at farmwars.info. Excellent. But if you spam me, I'll get you. (laughs) All right. Well, Barb, thank you so much for your time tonight, and thank you for all you're doing at farmwars.info, and I certainly hope people will go check that out. A great resource, as I say, on these issues. So, Barb, thank you for your time, and all the listeners out there, thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to talking to you all again tomorrow night.